Hello everybody, Johnny here. Hope everyone is doing well out there and enjoying this great spring weather we are having here in Colorado and elsewhere. I uh, have a bit to go over this week. I want to talk about the VMP opening up in Denver. I want to talk about Like a Rolling Stone, The Life and Times of Ben Fong Torres on Netflix. I want to talk about live music. Seems like it's like the battle of what bands to see right now, how hard it is to go to every show, and it'd be nice to have some kind of path to uh, see all the shows. It'd be so wonderful to be able to go to all the shows you want to. I want to also talk about the new podcast. I want to talk about new releases. So the first thing I want to talk about is in Denver here, they are building a vinyl pressing plant with audiophile grade vinyl. It's underway right now. It's about a 14,000 square feet base pressing plant. Um, it'll open up at the end of the year. They're opening this up next to Mission Ballroom, which you're going to be hearing about in the podcast here. So VMP launched in 2013. That first year, they sold 6.1 million vinyl LPs in the U.S. Nearly a decade later, in 2021, they wrapped up a total of 41.72 million albums sold, which amounted to more than any other of the three albums sold in the U.S. being on vinyl, according to Luminant. This is a really huge deal, folks. To have a printing plant right next to a live venue... You, as well as me, know what's probably going to be going on here. So they announced this uh, about a month ago, and I just wanted to bring it up because this is something I'm very excited about, being a vinyl collector. It's going to be nice to have our own little printing plant here. There's a lot more information out there. You can go to Billboard and read a whole article on the whole situation. It came out on April 25th. 2022 and it talks about the whole plant has pictures and what it's going to look like and everything really excited for this man it's really cool knowing that 40 years later after when i bought my first record that records are still alive and kicking here folks as i brought up in a previous podcast i went to record store day with um mr jeremy mccree um jeremy mccree is actually going to be in this episode it was recorded back in october and i think you'll enjoy it the other thing I wanted to talk about was the documentary I watched this week. It came out on Rolling Stone about a week ago or so. It's called Like a Rolling Stone, The Life and Times of Ben Fong Torres. The documentary is about Ben's life, the epic sweep he had through the world of rock and roll. Um, he was an American-born son of Chinese immigrants, and Ben grew up in a Chinatown with only a radio to the outside world. If you've ever seen the movie Almost Famous, he is portrayed in that movie. He actually was the guy that was on the phone quite a bit with the young character. If you have not seen Almost Famous, you need to check that out. This documentary, being the big, huge Rolling Stone fan I am, I still subscribe to Rolling Stone to this day. It's in a magazine I enjoy reading. Also, they have really good photographs in it, but it has changed in the past 50 years. It is interesting to see this documentary when it first started out and everything they had to deal with during that time. It is a who's who of everybody in this movie, too. We talk with Ray Manzarek of The Doors. We actually talk with Country Joe McDonald, Bob Weir, Quincy Jones, Annie Leibovitz, the famous photographer, Carlos Santana, Ray Charles, Dick Clark, Cameron Crowe, who Almost Famous is based on, Marvin Gaye, The Grateful Dead, Al Green, George Harrison, Mick Jagger, Elton John, Steve Martin, Sir Paul McCartney, Linda Ronstadt, Grace Slick, Tina Turner, Brian Wilson, Stevie Wonder, and many, many more. Ben interviewed some of the who's who 
of the history of rock and roll. He was an actual really good interviewer and wrote some of the best articles in Rolling Stone. If you have the time, check it out. It's on Netflix. It's called Like a Rolling Stone, The Life and Times of Ben Fong Torres. New music for May 13th, 2022. Kendrick Lamar, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. Florence and the Machine, Dance Fever. The Chainsmokers, So Far, So Good. The Black Keys, Dropout Boogie. The Rolling Stones, Live at the El Macambo. Little Easy, Too Easy. Mandy Moore, In Real Life. Onyx, Onyx versus Everybody. The one I was looking forward to for the longest time is now out. The Smile, A Light for Attracting Attention. And in case you didn't know, that was Johnny Greenwood and Tom York of Radiohead's new band. And those are just a few of the new releases for this week. And just a little bit of live music references here. The Arise Music Festival, which is going on in Boone, Colorado, through May 27th through 30th, has the bands Alice in Wonderland, Big Wild, Beats Antique, my favorite band, Galactic, and many, many more. Another show that was announced this week that I'm looking very forward to going to is the Smashing Pumpkins with Jane's Addiction. I've seen both those bands multiple times, and it's interesting that Smashing Pumpkins now is headlining why Jane's Addiction is the opening act. If you are unaware, Jane's Addiction was the one that gave Smashing Pumpkins their big break back in the early 90s when Perry Farrell created the Lollapalooza festival at that time it was a touring festival and smashing pumpkins were one of the bands i believe in the second year if not it was definitely the third year so it's interesting to see them opening up for the smashing pumpkins two great bands going to be a great show regardless looking very forward to seeing that show wilco also announced that they will be at red rocks on september 14th in their cruel country tour which is actually celebrating the yankee hotel foxtrot album also so I'm looking very forward to checking that out. If you don't know who Wilco is, please check them out. You will definitely dig them. Gary Clark Jr. will be up in Aspen on May 28th and 29th. The RK Fires, The We Tour, with Beck. Santana with Earth, Wind, and Fire on June 9th at the Ball Arena. The Red Hot Chili Peppers at the Empower Field at Mile High with Haim and Thundercat. Looking very forward to that show. And that's just a few of the live shows. I will be announcing more as they get closer. A lot of shows, folks, and only so much time. So I want to leave you with a quote that I got from the documentary Gimme Danger, which was about the Stooges and Iggy Pop. I heard something he said in that documentary that really stuck out to me. He said, uh, Music is very defiant. I saw a little glimpse of people in their adulthood having not lost their childhood. Words to live by, folks. Let music bring the child out in you. So this is the first part of the episode with Jeremy McCree. Like I said before, this was recorded back in December, and it's a really great conversation with a good friend of mine. We used to work together in Sam Goody. We did an episode last year through Zoom, so it was really great sitting down and actually having a conversation with him. So I hope you enjoy it. I still will be doing these episodes, but I wanted to let you know that I will be coming out with a new podcast called The Narrative Perspective. It's a long-form conversation piece, multiple topics, just not music. It's kind of all over the place. 
dealing with different social issues and dealing with our different perspectives in life. And I hope you enjoy it. Uh, the first episode should be coming out soon. You got a little taste of it in last week's podcast. And it will be out, like I said, shortly as time persists. And as soon as I get time to edit and sit down and listen through on it. Here's Mr. McCree, part one of our conversation, Disgusting Music. We talk a little bit about Rush and live music and the Mission Ballroom. So here you go. Giddy up. And please, folks, do your best to take care of each other out there. Hi, this is Johnny. I'm your host, and you are listening to Music Seeds. The music that made us. I would like to welcome Mr. Jeremy McCree back to the podcast. This time is actually a conversation together instead of uh, over Zoom, so this should be pretty fun, I think. Yeah, face-to-face. It's been a long time, man. Yes, it has. Uh, I saw you a few weeks back, sat down and had some good dinner at uh, the Breckenridge Brewery. One of, there's many of those, isn't there? Yeah, there's three or four, I think, in the metro area, and then one up in the mountains. But that one is the, like their um, flagship. Yeah. Their brewery's there. It's like, I don't know, I think four years old. Yeah. They built that. Um, it was good, though. I was impressed. It was the first time I'd been there. Yeah, it was really good. And I've been there a few times. I think it was probably my third or fourth time being there. Lot to go over today. I wanted to um, first talk about you and Jack Miller went and saw Primus a few uh, weeks back, or was that a couple of months yeah. back? No, it was. Well, what was that in October? October. Yeah, we saw Primus, and uh, uh, so um, we bought tickets when they went on sale uh, right before COVID, like in February of 2020. The show was rescheduled, and then there was uh, they. Uh, they added a second night. We went. They rescheduled it for October 2021, and then they added a second night. And uh, I, honestly, it was amazing. The Mission Ballroom is probably one of the best places to see music in mm-hmm. Colorado. Like it's 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 set up perfectly. You've got three different levels of seating. Well, four different levels if you include the GA on the floor, and then you've kind of got stadium seating, and then you've got seat where you can sit in, and then there's an upper balcony that circles around it, and sound was great but as for the show i had never seen primus before um you never have no i've been wow. a fan for since like 1990 you know like wow. since you know i never got a chance to and i'm going to be honest i wish that i would have bought tickets to saturday night yeah because looking at the set list um you know i've probably listened to every primus album they put out over the years but they're the first two albums i know like the back of my hand yeah and uh um they didn't play a lot of early stuff. They played a lot of uh, a lot of later stuff, which was great. But then looking at the set list for Saturday night, like they played all the stuff I wanted to see. Yeah. And I was like, and it would have been worth it going to both shows. But the yeah. highlight of the night, they did, um, you know, uh, Les does a lot of jam band stuff. He does stuff with Trey Anastasio and Stuart Copeland. Mm-hmm. And um, Oysterhead, and, yeah. and Oysterhead, and then a lot of his his solo stuff can be kind of jammy outside of the Primus sound. Mm-hmm. And they did um, close with a song called Southbound Pachyderm. It literally made the entire show. Yeah, it was you couldn't stop listening to it. You know when you go to a show and like you know you know the music, you know the band, but like you start mm-hmm. talking to friends or whatever, and they kind of just become background noise for a minute. Yeah, like I think they did like a seven or ten minute version of Southbound Pachyderm when they closed, and it was like all three of us were looking at each other like. 
you know, yeah. wow. Like, you know, like, I mean, it was just so on point. But yeah, so it was really good. And it was good seeing Jack, you know, mm-hmm. as you know, COVID, I think we've seen each other twice in a year and a half. So it was good hanging out with him. And yeah. my friend Michael was there. And uh, you know, when we bought Was it just the three of you? Yeah, it was just the three of us. And it's funny, the, the iteration of people who I was going to those shows with changed. When I bought those tickets, my friend Seth bought his own. And I bought two tickets, and it was going to take me and my friend Damien. And that was supposed to be in 2020. And the three of us were going to go together. Well, then, fast forward, when they changed the dates, uh, my friend Seth couldn't go. My friend Damien couldn't go because Seth was out of town. And October is Damien's anniversary month with his wife, and it was their 10-year anniversary. And so, and then and Jack wasn't even sure he was going to be able to go because he was working nights at the time. Mm-hmm. And um and Michael step, stepped up. And Michael's not a Primus fan, but he's a uh, an Oysterhead fan, a Trey Anastasio band fan. He's, yeah. a, he's a huge Fish fan. And so it was cool how it kind of worked out because I didn't want to have to like sell any of those tickets. You know, yeah. I didn't want to have to sell one of mine. I really I was going to go by myself if I had to. But Michael stepped up and said he'd go with me. And then uh, I gave my ticket to Jack. So yeah, for my second ticket. I Jack. really wanted to see Oysterhead, and they were playing that tour before COVID, mm-hmm. and I was that was my big plan is to go see them wherever they went. More than likely during that time, it would have been Chicago. That's right. as close as I was to. But my big thing I'd like to see now is um, the Lennon Delirium thing he's yeah. doing, and because uh, the stuff I've heard from that is just amazing. I think it was you that turned me on to that album. Mm-hmm. That Lennon Claypool album. It was you or either or somebody else that did. Mm-hmm. And I haven't listened to the second one, but I did listen to the first one. It's a trip, man. Yeah. And the show you guys saw, they did the what was the Rush album they did? They did Farewell to Kings. Yes. And you know what's funny about Farewell to Kings? Um, it's kind of funny. I forgot about that. They did do all of Farewell to Kings. That's the reason I bought the tickets in the first place. Les's voice is like two octaves too high versus to Getty's. Yeah. And. But he's still got that nasally pitch, right? And uh-huh. so Farewell to Kings is perfect for Rush to do, you know, like in and out. Uh, but hearing Primus do it, there was a couple moments where I was like, I had it in my head that Getty was singing, but then it was less singing. And there was like, kind of like a higher pitch nasally voice. But no, they did an amazing job. Like I, I, it was great. Like they came out and did, came out and did the first set. That was three sets. They came out and did the first set. And they came out and did Farewell to Kings, and then they came out and did an encore. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it was really, really worth it. it you, know, you know, I've seen Rush twice in the past 15 years, mm-hmm. and I would, you know, I'll never get to see them play again. So it was kind of yeah. nice to be able to see them. I asked somebody this question, and I was wondering what you thought of this, too, is that Rush, as it is, will never tour again. They've said that. But I'd like to see Getty and Alex, I think, do something else. You know, like, who says they have to stop making music? I think they could do something else with a different name, and or even their own names for that matter, you know, and do something with other artists, which I think other artists would be very willing to step up and want to do that with both those guys. I think so as well. I think that from what I've read about Robert Plant, about when Led Zeppelin broke up, you know what I'm saying? When Led Zeppelin was complete. You know, I got it in my head uh, last week. I wanted to listen to Unleaded, the, the live album with him and, and Plant. That yeah, came out, yeah. Or and Page, the, him and Jimmy Page, that album they did like in 1994. It's and a great I listened, album, I have it too. It yeah. is a great album. I haven't, I hadn't heard it in probably 15 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I listened to it. Then I, I was listening to some Robert Plant on Spotify and it was thinking that, you know, I haven't gotten into Robert Plant and like that Robert Plant, Allison Krauss stuff, but... The stuff I've heard has been pretty cool. I got to be honest. That's what I've heard, but mm-hmm. I, I can understand why. 
mm-hmm. that was done. Like he's like, I'm done. You know, John Bonham passed away. The the they did that iteration of their life. They did that iteration of music. I can see why. You know, Robert left and he wanted to go and do his own things. And so yeah. carrying that into the Rush question, I think it's the same thing. I could see Alex and and Getty doing their own solo projects, or you know, yeah. even Alex getting into like doing music uh, soundtracks. You know what I'm saying? Things yes. like that. But coming back in, it's kind of one of those things that I think when Neil died, I think it was time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I don't think it's a money issue. It's some bands, like if you use Metallica as an example, you know, they're going to play just like Kiss. You know what I'm saying? Metallica yeah. has become the kiss of our of our generation, the longevity. You know what I'm yes. saying? It's become a money machine. Yeah. Uh, and that they will continue well, to... the Rolling be, Stones for that the, matter. Even the Rolling Stones, you're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. But the, but the, it's just going to be a money machine for the, for, for until it can no longer be. I guess what I'm asking is like, it must be really hard to step away from music if you really love music. You know, you would think that you'd want to do something, you know. Right, but if you look at if you look at what Alex has done with the photography and the books, and if you look yeah. at what Getty, you know what, like you're still with the vin- like what he's in vineyards, isn't he? The vineyards, like and, the, yeah, and they've yeah. got a beer coming out, um, mm-hmm. and the the bases that he's got a he's got a base book that just came out like two years ago, whatever. Like mm-hmm. you know, so you're still in it and you're still writing. It's still but, productive, yeah. Right, it's still yeah. productive, but you knew I think you just. Get to a point where you potentially could get to a point as an artist where either you need that urge to go on and keep on creating music for the masses yeah. or that piece of your life is gone and now you're just creating music because you can sit down yeah. and you, you can just create for whatever you're creating. Yeah. Well, even with Jimmy Page, Jimmy Page had the book come out a couple of years ago that was great and now he's working on that in-depth documentary on the band. I didn't know that. That's yeah, kind of cool. which, yeah, I'm really going to be excited when that comes out. Obviously, that's all they're saying right now it's going to be an in-depth documentary on the actual band. Right. It should be really cool because, I mean, if you think about it, if you know anything about Jimmy Page, he was a child prodigy he was in the, um, I believe, the London Philharmonic Orchestra as a kid, and then went on to do the Yardbirds and obviously, you know, Zeppelin. So I did not. I, I think I remember reading that, but I didn't know that to that I could ever have said that to you in a conversation like mm-hmm. this, right? That mm-hmm. I could have called that out as a fact. But I think I do remember reading that that he was a prodigy, that he was a very, very young age. That's something I'd like to get into at one point in the conversation of the podcast, if I could do the research, is child prodigies that have turned into musicians. Like Neil Schoen was one of those guys, too. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, a young guy that was in Santana and then obviously went off, you know, with Journey and stuff. So, I mean, child prodigies are one of these things where uh, Nora Jones, you know, yeah. her dad was uh, Robbie Shankar, right. you know, and then she went on to do jazz. And, you know, and she's not one of these people that feels like she has to fulfill that whole Grammy thing and right. in the spotlight, she does her own thing. And that's one thing about, you know, being a musician or even someone that's living in the spotlight, for example, too, I guess I could turn to that, you know, with Jacob Dylan or right. you got, uh, Danny Harrison, you know, George, you know, Harrison's yeah. son. And there's a lot of these musicians that have to live in that shadow of their father or mother or whoever that might be. That that's a whole other, you know, ball of wax is that I, at what point do you say to yourself, is it about the the fame and the um, notoriety, or is it just about the show and being able to perform and you know and be able just to have a good time and and go out there and just tour? It's it's really one of these things where you know you have these bands that never get noticed. We've talked about before, and they go on out there and are struggling and stuff like that just to get some kind of um, paycheck going, you know. And then you got the ones that just is easily handed to them. We don't know unless we're in their feet. You know, you don't know unless they have that drive to want to do that. I, I like to see, like, I brought this up in a podcast. 
when people collaborate. And my big thing right now is like watching people collaborate. We just talked about Oysterhead. You know, if you can get a, a band to collaborate with one another. I just heard this yesterday. I thought, you'd, you know, I'm a big Chris Stapleton person. I know a lot of people don't like country music, but I always tell them, hey, if you get a chance, check him out. He is the shit, in my opinion. I just heard yesterday uh, a track he did on um, Tom Morello's new album. Um, really? Yeah, and it blew me the frick away. Yeah, because he's got like that raspy R&B kind of voice, right. Chris Stapleton, with uh, Tom's guitar playing in the background. Right. It's just amazing. The more collaborations I hear, the better, you know, sometimes they can be by just, just taking a chance. Right. When you can take a chance, do it for the art, and not do so much do it for just, you know, the attention, then sometimes you can come up with some great pieces of art. Um, I also want to swing back to the uh, Mission Ballroom. I'm actually going to go there in February. So I'm looking forward to seeing that myself. How long has that place been around? Because I don't two remember years. it being here. I just... Maybe two years, maybe three years at the most. Was it something else before? or No. They're... So it's out there between here and Commerce City. So what's um, it by? 38th and Walnut. Mm-hmm. Out there by the Coliseum with the train tracks. You know, it's like it's that, that dividing line where uh, you had five points that was moved into the industrial area before it got into Commerce City. Mm-hmm. It's in that area right there. Okay. They, they're gentrifying that entire area, you know. And, yeah. you know, Denver sprawled. When I say Denver, I mean, like, downtown Denver, and then it moved over into Five Points, and then mm-hmm. kind of curved around into Stapleton. That entire area has been gentrified and cleaned up over the past 15 oh, yeah. years. Yeah. That's, I don't know, 2018, maybe 2019? Yeah. I don't even remember hearing it now. So all I remember is hearing the shows at the Mission Ballroom. Like, yeah. What the hell is the I was just kind of, I'm, I kind of want to do some history learning on that. Mm-hmm. And just in the last few years, I've heard about it, you know, and stuff. It's and, and the great thing about it is, is I picked Jack up, went over to my friend Mike's house, and then Mike drove down there. Mm-hmm. And we found a parking space, not realizing we thought it was right around the corner, but it was actually about a mile and a half away. So we had to walk under 25, under the highway itself, and mm-hmm. then it got to it. But we realized when we got there, there's a light rail station right there. <laughs> so you can literally jump on the light rail and it'll drop you off right there and then, and then get back on it and go. I realized that too as um, Cervantes. Cervantes drops you right off with the railroad tracks right That's downtown. That's right, because yeah. There's a lot of venues around here. There's Ogden Theater. There's the Bluebird Theater. There's Fillmore. Yep. I mean, there's so many different venues with so many different kinds of music being played. I think it's cool that they were able to do that and actually get, you know, the audiences they can and stuff for that. And, and they actually did it right. I mean, it doesn't look like a ballroom per se. You know, I think the name is a bit of a misnomer. Mm-hmm. But I would probably have to say from a concert venue standpoint, inside, if I'm going to a larger arena, uh, I guess a mid-sized, on the high end of a smaller, almost the middle or the low end of a middle-sized arena, this was my favorite place to go yeah, see a show. Yeah, I like shows like that. Right. I don't, I don't have to do the big shows. Or, you know, I mean, you want something too small too sometimes, you know, but... Right. I love the mid-level, you know, mm-hmm. because the energy is there, and plus, hopefully, the sound quality is good in the place. The sound quality is great, and there's not a bad seat in the house. Yeah. You know, they've got the stage on one side, and then it's kind of in a U-shape. Got mm-hmm. general admission if you want to stand right there in front of the stage or whatever, mm-hmm. and then you've got some stadium, concrete stadium seating, and then you've actually got seats, and then you've got a, a, a U-shaped balcony, and there is a huge bar. So the lines weren't that bad. Mm-hmm. And then once you walk into where actually the stage is at, there's mm-hmm. another bar right there. Okay. And the bathrooms were large. Anytime we went and got a drink, anytime we went to the bathroom, there was never any line. 
it was like there, you know it was it was just walk right up get what you need to walk right up to the bathroom and come right back it was even during the the intermission the bathroom line went super quick you know last time we got together we talked about some of the things you wanted to talk about what did, what were the some of the things you wanted to talk about <laughs> that way on the spot there. no no you you didn't because this is like you know all i see on this list is rabbit hole and i'm like how many rabbit holes can we go down well uh, one thing like, I, I think that we're going to bring up it you know is we talked about algorithms with music yes. you know like spotify, spotify. and Apple. Yeah. so spotify you know i pay for the premium because i don't want commercials uh i like the fact that I don't have to carry a book of CDs with me. And so if I want to listen to an album... Um, <laughs> What's a book of CDs? Right, right. Uh, you know, I don't have to do that. And I can literally, just at the tip of my fingers, I can listen to pretty much anything. Which, ironically, going back to Jimmy Page and uh, yeah, Page, that Page Plant album, that Page Plant album is not available anywhere. Yeah. It's available on YouTube. So luckily somebody upped it on YouTube. And, yes. and, and so I can stream it there. But um, algorithms, yeah. So I have this love-hate relationship with Spotify. You play like one song, like, I don't know, I'll get it in my head. Um, for an example, In the Mood by Robert Plant. You know, yeah. I, I got it in my head one day that I wanted to listen to that. And so now it's like every week it shows up on a fucking playlist. It shows up <laughs> on a, you know. You're, and so I'm like, why can't Spotify create an algorithm that if I play a song, great. It's, they show that I like that, but I don't want to listen to the radio one. I don't want to hear that five, that song five times in a week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and I only listen to music on a regular basis in my car, and so it's very small intervals at a time. It's 10 minutes here or there, it's 15 minutes here or there, 20 minutes here or there, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so when I say it's four or five times a week, it literally can be four or five times a week. Yeah. Where I'll put on my daily mix, and that song is in the top three or whatever because I listen to it once. Yeah. Why can't streaming services create algorithms that go, okay, so he listened to the song, he liked it, Let's go pull a deep cut off of something that didn't get much play, yeah. and see if he likes that. And, and but you know, and that like ninety nine percent of the time, that's what happens. I'll listen to a song or I'll listen to an album. Like I listen to Jefferson Airplane's Woodstock album. It's a great album. I loved it. But now it shows up, and it's the same song that shows up on my playlist all the time. I was like. I don't want to listen to that one song. I don't want to listen. It's not even White Rabbit. It's something else. Like, like yeah. I don't want to listen to that song over and over again. Play me something different, or play me something. When did you I, listen to that? I don't. A month, maybe a month and a half okay. ago. Okay. Have you seen the preview for Matrix? Yeah. They're using White Rabbit yeah. for that, and it's a remix too, which yeah. I love. I mean, I, the yeah. White Rabbit is just one of those songs that is just I can listen to five different versions of it and love it. You know what I'm yes. saying? And I love Grace Slick. Like, she was pretty much one of the premier female vocalists that made me fall in love with female vocalists. Mm-hmm. The first time I heard White Rabbit. I was I love the song, but I was like, "What is this beautiful voice I'm hearing?" Yeah. You know, it was "We Built the City," wasn't it? That's Starship. Okay, <laughs> but we can go down that hole too. Uh, that's joking. Starship, and that's the fifth iteration of Jefferson Airplane. And she wasn't even on that album. She was Grace Slick. And we built the city. No, she was not. Yeah, it's her singing. No, that's the male. I don't know his name. It's her too. Is she doing background vocals? I, I'll take your word for it. I'll take. I'll have to. I'll have to go look that up. Reason I knew that she was on that is because I had that on vinyl when I was a kid. Okay, totally fair. Uh, we did look it up. I did not know that Grace Slick was on that. Uh, yeah. Well, I thought at that point in time she left the band and she was doing her own stuff. But again, no. I don't know my my Jefferson Airplane history. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't. I like. I didn't dig into them. I haven't. We need to play guitar on that album too, don't you? Because we met him. 
or maybe we maybe we what, did. Craig Chikiso? Yeah, we met. I didn't meet Craig. Craig oh, I'm Chikiso. sorry. Yeah, I wasn't there for that, but I do remember when when you you guys met him. Yeah, because we were listening to him a lot in one of the stores. I think I just started working for Jack. That was like probably '97 or something yeah. like that. And he had that soul of that flamingo album that came out. That's yeah. a, he's one of the guys that got me into flamingo and led me down the uh, a couple other roads of just flamingo uh-huh. guitar. Uh, okay, so we're back on track. What we're, we're talking about algorithm about some of the stuff that we ch- gets chosen for yes. us and stuff like that. Like, listen, and I noticed that too. Like listening, like you, you listen, may like this. I would rather say you might like this and hear something. Okay, for example. I just started listening to a lot of Warren Zevon. And so I listened to his first two albums last week, wherever I was going to listen to his first two albums. Since then, Werewolves of London has shown up on two different playlists. Don't get me wrong, that song is great. But I've probably heard that song a thousand times in the past 30. I don't want to hear that song. Mm -hmm. Play me something that I've never heard for. It led me down a rabbit hole on him on Wikipedia. I didn't even know like his story. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I didn't know who what he did, and I want to know more. I don't. Yeah. I want to know more. So play me something like the streaming companies need to learn that play something that, or give me a toggle button that says don't play this song again. Play something. You know what I'm saying? Give me the option. Yeah. Don't. I understand that there are some people. Apple that, has that button. Do I? Yeah, they give you the. Well, yeah, I can do that. Yes, I can do that. Yeah. I can block a song. But then it'll never play it again. And that's, yeah. I don't want that. And I can swipe across and make a song go away. That's not what I want. I want the ability to have the algorithm change where it's not playing me the radio hits once a day or once a week and playing me the deeper cuts, the stuff that I don't know. And then if I want to, if I want to listen to White Rabbit, uh, Are We Built This City, for example, because I did <laughs> yeah. go down that one day, I'm like, I needed to hear that song and I, and I, and I played that. Uh-huh. Uh, I can go search it and I can play it at that point in time. Yeah. Just because I searched a song once and wanted to hear it once doesn't mean I want to listen to it five different times in the same week. That's what bothers me about algorithms. No, I, I think that it's one of those, uh, as it, technology progresses, you'll see it get better and better with that streaming service. I, I see, but I would tend to disagree with you on that. Let me okay. tell you why. I don't think that that's the case. I think it's a ASCAP BMI case. Because you have to take into consideration that there's already a negotiated rate for werewolves of london mm-hmm. every time it's spun okay yeah. well, i'd rather hear guns lawyers and money okay yeah. but they're negotiated rates right so you might have a two cent per play negotiated rate for warren zevon's uh lawyers guns and money or whatever mm-hmm. but you go into one of his deeper cuts and that's kind of negotiated a higher rate mm-hmm. they're going to just like the radio that's if you turn on any clear channel or whatever the hell the big conglomerate is now that owns all the radio stations, any radio station, you've got that eight-hour loop. If you listen to it at 8 o'clock in the morning, at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, it's going to be on repeat. Because those rates are already negotiated. They're already, they know that they're going to pay this amount of money out. That's why they don't play. It's funny how that stuff doesn't change, too, because now we're, you know, the streaming services do that just like the radio would do that back in the day. That's my point. Yeah. That's my point. Like, you know, uh, if I want to listen to something outside of the radio hits, Mm -hmm. I have to search it. And I have to listen to an entire album, right? I have Mm -hmm. to listen. I might not like the album, but I have to listen to it to find out if there's anything I like. I want Spotify to throw something at me. So I'm going to take this to the other side of Spotify, to the 5% of Spotify. I want Spotify to create a playlist for me that's just like, wow, thank you. Like, I want, I'm hearing stuff I did. Yeah. And sometimes, 5% of the time, or 1% of the time, Spotify gets it right. Yeah. Sometimes they'll throw in a daily mix. 
and don't get me wrong, my daily mix has new stuff in it, but it's usually by artists that are the same genre, not by the, that I not that I've been listening to. They don't have like one or two hits. They'll have like the radio hits from that artist that created it, but then there'll be bands of the genre yeah. I like. But sometimes y'all put it on a daily mix one or daily mix two or what or five or whatever, and Spotify will just get it right, and it's like every song after the other, it's like it just boom, boom, boom. It's like, yeah. thank you for doing this. Thank you for doing this. Thank you yeah. for doing this. You know. Thank you for actually getting it right. And I want them to flip the switch on it. I don't know how that looks. The technology is there. Flip the switch on it and where I want to put on a daily mix and have everything be brand new. Somebody that the system knows that I've never listened to, but, and you can see my top 50 artists. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They, they track the music I listen to the most. My genres are, are huge, but I used, tend to listen to the same bands. Play me songs I've never heard before. The, application has never played for me before yeah the technology is there and they don't uh yeah i always have to force myself to go find stuff and listen yes to it, which exactly. i don't mind doing the research myself right. at all um in fact this week johnny marr released a cd and i don't know if you know who johnny marr is he was the um, guitarist and songwriter for the smiths okay so morrissey obviously saw a lot of the fame out of the Smiths, but Johnny Marr was like really the real reason why the Smiths, in my opinion, were really successful. I listened to it as an EP, it was like five songs, an excellent album, just really, really well done. That's one thing I have to do is I have to go out there and say, oh, okay, here's all the new releases, here, I'm going to go check it out and I'm going to go play it. And, you know, um, Right now I'm listening to a podcast with Rick Rubin and Neil Young right now, and Neil Young just dropped an album a couple weeks ago called The Barn, which was recorded here in Colorado. I don't know exactly where in Colorado, but him and Crazy Horse, his old band, went and recorded it out in, um, over the summer at nice. this barn somewhere in Colorado. And it's really good. But that's the thing. is Sometimes you don't know these things unless you're um, listening to a podcast right. or they're on a late night show or, right. or you do the research. Right. It, it is nice to see in those algorithms some of these um, artists pop up. Satellite radio in the background. Right. I will always get turned on by new artists on this the satellite radio. And I like it. it comes up on the screen. I'm like, okay, and I'll make a note. I'll download it into my, my phone uh, through my um, Apple Music or whatever it might be. So sometimes, you know, there's, there's certain uh, formats out there that you're unaware of that will, you know, give you some ideas for some new music out there. But that's the thing is, like, just take the time to patiently learn we sometimes, I'm a victim of that myself, is that I like what I like and I like listening to it over and over again, but when I get turned on to something new, it blows my mind. Like, I thought it was so cool that Jack sent the Jack White thing because me and him had a conversation about Jack White when we went to the football game last weekend, and he was telling me that he wasn't a huge fan of his, which anytime anybody tells me they're not a huge fan of somebody I really like, I don't mind that at all, right. you know, but sometimes I'm like, hey, maybe give this a shot or give right. that a shot, but it was cool to see him send that. And that's one thing I do like about Jack White is that he pushes the envelope in his music if you listen to it. He really does, and he sometimes combines different styles and formats into it, but a lot of people think he's pretentious, a lot of people think he's, you know, whatever. Most artists are pretentious, you know, if they're a true artist, yeah. you know. If they're fake and then it's the same cookie-coating shit that you're going to hear it over and over again, right. then that's boring to me. But I like somebody that's like, I'm going to try to make something artistic. And either you like it or not. Maybe you right. think I'm an elitist. Maybe you think I'm whatever. I like when somebody keeps on pushing the genres and tries to blend them together, which is kind of yes. hard to do sometimes. It is. 
It is. And when you can create something out of music and do it. You, you talked about at the top of this about artist uh, Chris Stapleton, which I, I don't think I've ever listened. I might maybe have heard one song of Chris Stapleton. Yeah. And, and Tom Morello. That blending of music, Judgment Night soundtrack. Yes. We talked about that before. We yeah. did. And then the, the Spawn soundtrack. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that's the... I guess that's where my ignorance is probably the best word for it, where I don't go out... I would never think to listen to Chris Stapleton and Tom Morello. Yeah. If the single came up, I would never think to listen to it, right? Yeah. But if some new sound... Like, I haven't seen the, the soundtrack for the new Matrix movie is really good. Mm-hmm. But I the soundtrack for the Matrix movies initially were great. They brought out a Judgment Night 2 soundtrack today. <laughs> I would pick it up instantaneously, yes. you know what I'm saying? Because of what the impact it had on me in 1994 when it came yeah. out, right? But I wouldn't think to... You're right. Putting two types of music together mm-hmm. and doing it right and doing it clean and actually bringing two sounds that traditionally aren't together and doing mm-hmm. a great job of it, like, that's, that excites me. Bringing those two together, like, and doing it in a, from a production value, like, that's great. So now I'm going to have to go listen to this Tom Morello song. I don't not like Chris Stapleton, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I just, he's... But it, well, one thing I do appreciate about him, too, is he's always pushing out what he did a few months back. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the R&B artist, Her... H-E-R, mm-hmm. and she's, and I don't try to pigeonhole people or try to say, you know, that one, you know, one's better than the other or whatever, but she reminds me a lot of Prince right. in a lot of ways because she can play the guitar really well, sings really well, but her music's all over the place, right. and I like that. And so her and Chris Stapleton did a song a few months ago that just blew my fucking mind, and I can't think of the name of it at the top of me, but if you YouTube, you know, the two of them together, it'll pop up. But that's one thing about him. He's all JT kind of broke him. He was already getting some notoriety, Chris Stapleton. But mm-hmm. then, like Justin Timberlake and him did something years ago together right. with. Um, I think I know that song. Tennessee whiskey. Yeah, um, that's just, who that is. Chris, yes, I do. Okay, I was like, I couldn't picture his face. Yes, Tennessee. That, that, that song is huge. Yeah, it's not great. Yeah, but the thing about it is that was like the third version of that song, and it took a third version to blow up to the thing it was. George Jones originally. That's did right. It. That's right. Years that's right. ago. I do. I do remember reading that. Yes. So sometimes people can take different versions right. of songs and just make it their own and make it Jimi Hendrix doing you know all on the watch by Bob Dylan. Right. You know, I mean, there's always going to be that artist that says, okay. Hey, let me try it this way. And sometimes it's going to be even better than that version. You see it a lot more often than not. Like, I hear it in commercials. Um, um, I hear it in, like, TikTok ads and things like that, you know. People change the sound of something and make it their own. And it, sometimes it can be better than the very version or just as equally well done. With that being said, um, obscurity, like, and music. It's a big thing. Is like when you can find something obscure and something different... It's amazing to, that when you come across those little discoveries. Love coming across those little discoveries. So that was the first part of the Jeremy McCree episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, we will have a follow-up coming out soon. And I just wanted to thank you for your time. And I wanted to make sure again that you check out the new podcast, Narrative Perspective, coming out soon, wherever you get podcasts. You can get a hold of me through any of the social media outlets out there that is including Facebook at musicmadeseeds at facebook.com also my TikTok handle is Johnny Come Lately Instagram and that would be Johnny Evans and also through email at ozomatfan87 at gmail.com 
Again, that's ozomotfan87 at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Please hit the subscribe button. Please rank, vote, do everything you can. I love uh, hearing from all of you. And uh, like I said earlier, folks, it's a rough world out there. But when we come together and we have the love of music, all we can do is just keep on keeping on. Do your best to take care of each other out there. And until next time. Hi, this is Johnny. I'm your host, and you are listening to Music Seeds. The music that made us. <laughs>